running for the touchdown. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. Always exciting to play at home. We all want to play at home, and this is an unbelievable venue to play at. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. On a personal level, for me, I, I just we, we can't wait to get to game day, right? We can't wait to get on the grass. JT The Brick. Cars up underneath James. Going to fire quickly. Jackpot, baby. Touchdown, Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you. I hope you're having a great day today. Love being on the radio from noon to 2 on the flagship of the Silver and Black Raider Nation Radio brought to you by PT's Real Local Play. Wherever you go in the Valley, 65 locations. PT's has you set up for gaming, food, drinks, sports. They fuel the monologue. They're the reason I kick off this show every show thanking PT's. As they get us running here and ready to roll in a big week. Interesting show lined up today. I tweeted it out at JT the Brick. This is Tom Flores Day. Tom Flores every other Tuesday, along with Paul Gutierrez, the Raider Insider from ESPN. Also, Jace Sherman, the Vice President of Risk Management over at the Westgate. Jeff Sherman, excuse me, the Vice President of Risk Management over at the Westgate, the sharpest sports book in town. And we'll see what else we got lined up the rest of the week from Raider players to alumni to Jim Plunkett. And we're all in on Cincinnati. Now, this will be an interesting show because I did a big show last night on my national show for Sirius XM. And the Niners won. And they beat the Rams. And the Niners played a game last night that was better than any Raider game this year. Let me get that out of the way. The Niners played a better game than any Raider game this year with their back up against the wall. In a must-win situation, if they lost, they'd go to three and six seasons over, and they played their best game. And I said to myself when I got off the air, it takes me about an hour and a half to get down. After 10 o'clock at night, you know, I don't go to bed. I can't go to bed in 10 minutes, so I'm up. And I started thinking, wow, what the Niners did could do a tremendous favor for the Raiders. You know, Bay Area rivals for years. Niner fans don't like Raider fans back and forth. We get that. But what the Niners did last night is the absolute blueprint for what needs to happen to the Raiders. Exactly everything. And as I watched the game and I was doing my show and I had Larry Kruger on from KMBR. He does the pregame like I do for the Raiders. He does it for the Niners. And he just laid it out beautifully what the Niners did in that game with their back up against the wall to win. They went with what worked. They've beaten the Rams five times in a row. The Niners have lost eight home games in a row coming into that game. You know the last home game they won before that putrid streak was the Rams. And they bookended with another Rams win. And I said to myself, man, that coaching staff, those players, with their back up against the wall, came out and played an outstanding football game. One of the best performance games of the year. Rams are really good. Rams are a Super Bowl favorite. And the Niners just annihilated them. And how did they do it? Well, I wrote some notes down as I was doing the show last night, and it was easy. It's exactly what the Raiders have to get back to. First off, the Niners were very confident in their offense. They ran the ball 44 times, and they didn't run it for a lot of yards, but they stuck with the running game. And they just pounded the Rams, and they made it a physical game. The Raiders need to play more physical. I don't see any physicality other than a few players led by Max Crosby 
and Yannick Ngakwe. Those two guys play super physical. And look, I'm sure there's some offensive linemen and there's some other players. Waller's a very physical guy. Renfro for a small guy, very physical. He'll take a hit. He'll go over the middle of the field. But in general, you know what I'm getting at. The Niners punished the Rams, took their will away, a couple of turnovers, a couple of interceptions from Stafford, and the game was over. Rams had no chance. And the Rams in the second half had their will taken away from them, and they lost the game, and I thought the Niners saved their season. Because by winning that game, the Niners went to 4-5 and five on the year, not 3-6, and six, and they're one game out of the wild card. Remember, you can look at it one of two ways. You want to win the division, right, and get a high seed in a home playoff game, or you just want to get in. The Raiders are on the verge of being, hey, man, we're playing so poorly, we are just hoping we get in. When maybe, you know, a couple of weeks ago, it looked like the Raiders could compete for the division title and stay in the hunt for the division all year long, and that is quietly slipping away. And the Raiders now are looking just for a win. Am I going to sit here and talk about winning the division after what Kansas City just did on the road in Las Vegas? I'd get arrested. Someone would come to my home here and take me out in a straitjacket. Raiders need a win. They need a win before we can start talking about stacking wins. They got to beat Cincinnati. So the Niners last night did an unbelievable job of playing under pressure with their season on the line. They're back up against the wall. There's no way the Niners survive and make the playoffs if they go three and six. Come on. Three and six, they're done. Now they're four and five, and they're right there with Minnesota for the seventh spot. All they got to do is leapfrog Carolina. Give me a break. The Niners and the Vikings are better than Carolina. So it's really going to come down to the Vikings or the Niners, most likely for that last playoff race, because the NFC is a mess behind the Niners, who are 4-5. and five. You start looking at the Giants and Washington. You look at all the other teams, the Seahawks, who just got shut out. There's not a team out there, Atlanta, that's going to go on this unbelievable run and probably jump over the roster of the 49ers. So I wanted to lead with that on the show. Because I think that'll get some fans going here, even some fans who don't like the Niners. Because I'm very accurate, because I watched the game last night, and I talked about it, and I interviewed people about it. And the Raiders would be really fortunate if they played a game with the energy level of the 49ers. If they just came out, Niners were at home, slumping mightily at home. One of the biggest slumps in Niner history at home. Raiders now slumping, not playing good football, back-to-back duds. An absolute dud at MetLife against the Giants, a game that they should have had, and then they got blown out against Kansas City. So how about this week we go all in on Cincinnati? How about we all go balls out on Cincinnati? How about everybody get behind this game and talk about how to beat Cincinnati? Because I'm talking to people who don't think the Raiders can do it. They don't think they could stop Cincinnati's wide receivers. They don't think they could stop Cincinnati's Joe Burrow. They don't think they could stop the run of Joe Mixon. And there's a lot of negativity in the Raider Nation. I look at it differently. This, both these teams are 5-4, and four, as I tweeted out today. Both of them are 5-4. and four. Whoever wins this game is going to have a game up on the team that loses and a tiebreaker. And it looks like Cincinnati is playing for a wild card. And as of today, it looks like the Raiders would be fortunate to play for the wild card. And the Raiders and Cincinnati are back-to-back. The Raiders are higher up than Cincinnati, so whoever wins this game will stay there. And if the Raiders win this game 
and Kansas City loses to Dallas, which a lot of people think will happen, then the Raiders could be tied for first again. Tied for first place in a situation here, the way the Chargers are playing, and the Raiders could be right back to where they thought they'd be. Then, I sound like an optimist, don't I? Glasses half full, JT. Man, you know, you've known me. If you've listened to me for 23 years or 23 minutes, you know, when I'm optimistic, I get hammered. When I'm pessimistic, people hammer me. So with the Raiders, I'm much more optimistic now because Cincinnati's coming in. Talk to me Sunday night at the postgame show at the Modelo Cantina, and it could be a different story. This would do wonders for the Raiders to get to 6-4 and four after 10 games. They'd be right in the middle of the playoff hunt, coming off a win at home, all momentum coming back with an opportunity to shock the world and beat the Cowboys. And that's what would be interesting because – If the Cowboys play, they're coming on a short week, too. Kansas City could really wear you out when you play them. And maybe the Raiders can catch Dallas and keep that game close. Because I never liked the Dallas game when the schedule came out. I didn't like anything about that. Dallas has got a better roster than the Raiders. No question they do. But the Raiders could win that game because Dallas lost to Denver. And we've seen what the Raiders can do to Denver. And Dallas has played some games. They barely beat the Chargers on a walk-off last-second field goal. So we've seen... Dallas played the AFC West, and they haven't been very impressive. But that game is right around the corner. So as I open up the show, I want to get into what the Niners did last night, if you saw that game, and what the Raiders can do to play a game like that. Which brings me to my next topic here as we open up the show. What do the coaches need to do now? You know, I keep my respect with the coaches. I have to talk to them. I have to see them. I interview the head coach every week. I'm friends with Greg Olson over the years, gentlemen. Uh, All the coaches there, I think they respect me. They know the job I have to do, and I really respect them. If you're the head coach of the Raiders and i got to deal with you, I'm always going to take the high road. But now when it comes to the coaches, I think we need to talk about something that's really important to address. What do the coaches need to do to get more out of these players? What do you think? Help me out with this one. What do you think the coaches need to do to get more out of this team heading into the Bengals game. Do you think they have to be harder on them? Do you think that they have to kind of verbally get in their face? Do you believe, and this is the topic of the show today, we got Tom Flores at the bottom of the hour. Do you believe that the coaches need to put more pressure on these players to play better because they're not playing good? And whatever's working in the past isn't working now. So do you think the the coaches need to turn up the heat like some of the greatest coaches of all time turned up the heat? And that would be Bill Parcells, Vince Lombardi, Bill Belichick. Those guys know when to turn up the heat on the stove and get players going. So I want to know what you think the coaches have to do to get in the face of the quarterback, the running back, The tight end, Darren Waller, who I think the world of, he has two touchdowns. Two touchdowns on the entire year. And he had one of the best seasons in all football last year. What about the defense? What what about Gus Bradley finally telling us, or you telling Gus Bradley, what are we going to do with Littleton at linebacker, who I don't think has shown up. I still don't think he's moved from the Rams to here. I don't think he's unpacked his moving van and has played at a high level. I like the way John Abrams played this year. I was pretty hard on him yesterday. I would bench him against Kansas City. I wouldn't put him out there again. 
I'd have him activated, but I wouldn't play him against Kansas City. He's a liability. He's an absolute liability against Kansas City. Well, does that mean he'll be a liability against Cincinnati? I don't know. I don't know. But I know he's a liability. I've been watching the Kansas City games, and he's a liability there. I like what I'm seeing with Max Crosby, Yannick Ngakwe. How could you not? They're the strength of the team. And the offensive line led by Tom Cable. I mean, what more can Tom Cable do? Richie Incognito with a setback? Really? A setback? (laughs) They need Richie Incognito to start and to play at a high level. He hasn't played. He's never available. So what is Tom Cable supposed to do? Leatherwood is reportedly a player he wanted. So he's got to get more out of him. You're not going to shame Leatherwood. You need Leatherwood to play better. He's a first-round first draft pick. You've got to get more out of him. And then if you look at the rest of that offensive line, Andre James, who has improved according to Pro Football Focus, who has improved this year to give him credit, and we know what we get with Colton Miller at left tackle. Then finally, Josh Jacobs. I know how to talk Raider football on the radio better than anybody. Sorry, I'll take that crown. And I can tell you right now, I talk to more Raider fans than anybody. I don't care if I'm at the torch, if I'm at a bar, if I'm in the black hole parking lot. This fan base is getting really frustrated with Josh Jacobs. Really frustrated with his ability to be a leader and take over games and be the captain and a guy who can come out there and take over a game. It is time for Josh Jacobs to have his moment. Do we all agree? This is a franchise that had Bo Jackson, Marcus Allen, Mark Van Egan, Charlie Garner. You can go down the list. Napoleon McCallum, Napoleon Kaufman. And they've all had bigger games than Josh Jacobs. They all have. I'm not making it up. Josh Jacobs now needs to be the force that the Raiders drafted out of Alabama as an elite potential running back. And whatever cobwebs he has, whatever is going on, he needs to start fresh right now. He needs to stop whatever's going on, and Josh Jacobs needs to come in, and he needs to be angrier. He needs to be pissed off. He needs to be accountable, and he needs to play harder. Period. He was not taken here to be a second or third string running back. He was not drafted here to average 42 yards a game. Where's the 130 yards? Where's the Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin who's doing this every week with Indy? Where is the kid's performance here? They need him. The Raider Nation needs him now. So the focus of the monologue is what do the coaches need to do to get more out of these guys? I don't know. I'm not a coach. I'm in the building. I'm not inside the meetings. I don't know. I have a lot of respect for these coaches. You know that. But something's got to change. So here are your choices. You all of a sudden, you do what you've been doing and hope they just snap out of it. You have more fun with them. I don't know. Take them bowling at Red Rock. Take them to a movie, to the Bond movie. Do something different. Have milkshake night at the facility. I don't care what you do. Or the other option is you get a boot and you start kicking and you start cracking walls and you start getting in these guys' faces. From the quarterback to the running back to the tight end and everybody, and you start telling them, we're paying you a boatload of money. A boatload of money, and you're going to be here, and we got a brand new franchise in a new city, and you got to be more accountable and be better. Don't tell me you can't get open. Don't tell me you don't like the play call. Don't tell me you got to change the play 
every freaking time you get to the line of scrimmage, you got to change the play. Run the freaking play, run it better, run it faster, and be more physical. That's it. That's all I got. Because I'm completely at 100% with Cincinnati. I'm all in on this. I'm not talking to my family about Thanksgiving. I'm not saying let's go get a turkey early. I'm not saying what are we doing. I'm all in on Cincinnati. I'm all in on the Bengals, a team that the Raiders should beat. Schedule came out. We did the schedule show. I said about nine wins. Ten will get you into the playoffs. They started five and two. Ten looked like a big reality. Lose this game, and you'd be lucky to get to nine, maybe ten, because you cannot talk about this team doing anything special if they can't beat the Giants and the Cincinnati Bengals and Cincinnati at home. So that's the way I see it. Okay, I'm sorry if I'm a little worked up today, but it's accountability time. Everybody's doing their job, and I think these players are all in. The practices have reportedly been really good, right? The practices have been really good. Everybody seems to be on the same page. It'd be nice. Alec Ingold's gone for the year. Nicholas Morrow's been gone way too long. Richie Incognito gone way too long. Team needs Trayvon Mullen. I mean, a lot of guys out. I'm not in the training room, but we got to get some guys back. The depth is starting to be a problem. As you know, I've been very concerned about the depth and the injuries of this team. Nixon cuts all year long. And some guys need to come back. And if you look, if you can't play because you're injured, if you cannot play because you're injured, you can't go if you're injured. But if you're close to coming back, now would be a good time to come back. Now would be a good time to play instead of two weeks from now where the season could be on the brink. I'm encouraged because the Raiders haven't played well in two weeks, and I've seen them play well. I've seen them play well this year against Denver, Philadelphia, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I've seen them explosive against the Baltimore Ravens. I've seen that this year, not last year. I know they can do it, but they're going to have to play a different style. And I'm confused. I'm very confused about how they're going to start faster. Every time I sit in my seats with my wife in the first quarter of this game after I get done at the torch or on the field, I go to my seats, and the first quarter is a debacle. There's nothing there that I see at a home game. They start slow. They don't take shots downfield. There's no big plays. I look up at the clock. There's 2.12 to go in the first quarter, and the Raiders got a goose egg up. That will not work against Cincinnati. It will not work. I need to see something more. Raider fans have told me they want to see something better. What is that? 702-365-9200. Today is a rare day. I want you to play coach on the radio. You could play offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, or head coach. Pick any of the three with your phone call and come in and tell me what you want to see out of those gentlemen. And they are great gentlemen, and they love this franchise, and they're loyal, and they deserve the support. But what more do you want to see as a fan of this team from the coaching staff to get this team to play at a much higher level? I want to see more physicality. I want to see speed. I do not want to see huddling anymore on offense. I, I cannot tell you how many people have told me that on and off the record. Figure it out. Script the plays. Do whatever you got to do. Have the strength and face of the franchise, Derek Carr, ready to go on Sunday with the first 15 plays, run no huddle, run the play fast, run up to the ball, and be explosive. 
because this huddling up doesn't work. Handing it off on second down up the middle into a pile does not work. Putting pressure on third and seven where a ball can get deflected, incomplete, and they're off the field, then they don't come back for another six minutes. Raiders can win this game against Cincinnati. That'll take them to six and four on the year. That'll put them in the playoffs as a wild card or potentially division winner after 10 games. And you all would have took it. You could have hung out at the stage door. You could have been hanging out with me at you know, the doghouse. You could have been hanging out anywhere with any Raider host, and you all would have took six and four. You would have celebrated it. You would have bought me a shot of tequila, and you would have said, Brick, we're six and four. This is unbelievable. Well, we're right there. It's right there. All it is is a victory against the Bungles, the Bengals. Are you kidding me? This is like, they're a good team. But this is like over the last 10 years getting Detroit, getting Cleveland, who's on the schedule, getting Cincinnati, getting the Jets, getting the Giants. You got a team at home you got to beat. This isn't Tom Brady. This isn't the Buffalo Bills. It's not Aaron Rodgers. This is a young Joe Burrow. He cannot outplay Derek Carr in Derek Carr's building. Do you, do you agree with me on that? That Joe Burrow, I know Derek Carr doesn't play against Joe Burrow, but Derek Carr's got to outplay Joe Burrow on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium, 105. I know he can do it, but enough of me projecting this. How about just go doing it? want to hear from you on what you would do if you were one of the coaches here to get this team going. 702-365-9200. As I am worked up today. Because I watched that Niner game, and I said I wish I was on the radio, on Raider Nation Radio at midnight last night. Because I was even worked up more because the Niners, the Niners took care of business. And the Raiders need to take care of business like the 49ers. And I got one guy holding from Florida, not Vegas, who's ready to start the show. Jay in Florida, thanks for calling the flagship from the other side of the country. How are you, Jay? Oh, totally awesome. It's such a uh, privilege, you taking my phone call. Nick, I've been listening to you for years, and you're exactly the voice of the Raiders. You speak the truth. You walk the walk. And uh, listen, you know, it's just it's really heart-wrenching. I respect all those players. They have actually put their sweat and tears to actually get to the kind of positions that they, they've gotten. Receivers, linebackers. I mean, defensive ends, okay? They have to go ahead and kind of like walk through fire to get to where they're at. But then all of a sudden, like that fire is not rekindled. I, I understand what you're trying to tell me because I see it also too. And I'm like, oh, what is going on? Why are they so vanilla? And I really don't understand exactly. But they have to understand one of the things that I see with other teams, and I don't want to go ahead and compare them to any other team. I want to compare them to the Raiders, okay? And the Raiders have to get back, okay, the mentality that used to be when November hit. You know what it is? It's playoff time. It's no more, you know, child's play. We've already invested. How many games have we played already, okay? Five? And now, what is it? Now, five and four? It's you know, it's too many already. We have to go ahead and kind of like get down to business. And now November, it's playoff time. Every game. And they have to focus on the that game like it's mm-hmm. the last game of the season. 
that's how the championship teams really get to you're talking December and then the Super Bowl. You know why? Because they actually play like it's a Super Bowl. They play their heads off, all right, because they know that the next game, in my mind, they're not going to be another game again, okay? I agree. And- I got to jump in, my friend. I got Tom Flores at the bottom of the hour. Good phone call. Thanks for checking in from Florida. Greatly appreciate it. He makes a good point. They treat every game like the Super Bowl. I think the Raiders do, too. I think they come out of the tunnel at Allegiant Stadium on the road ready to play. Derek leads them out. They're ready to play. There's no guy moping around. But this team needs to play more violent. They need to play faster. Who are the Raiders? What's the Raiders' identity? They have to be a more aggressive team on offense. Up-tempo. Get it and go. Put the pressure on the defense. The Raiders have the weapons to do so. They're not committed to an identity. Until they are, they're going to continue to be inconsistent. Go down swinging. Let Carr hunt. Let Carr do what he needs to do. Or why have Carr? Why have Carr as the quarterback of this team if you're not going to go four wide, have him come out, run no huddle, and play like a top 10 quarterback? He is. Look at the passing numbers this year. Go with the strength of the team. Carr and Waller and Renfro. The triangle I keep talking about. Feed them heavy. Go balls out early in the game. Take some chances. Go for it on fourth down. Take shots in the end zone. Throw the ball deep twice in the first half just to let Cincinnati know you're going to take deep shots. Become the Raiders again. Become the Derek Carr Raiders that we saw when they started off and beat Pittsburgh and they beat Baltimore. I get it. Ruggs isn't there anymore. There are other guys who can run routes and get open 30 yards downfield. Do it. And I expect they will do it against Cincinnati and win that game and get to 6-4. and four. Or I shouldn't be on this radio show today. Got people on Twitter quitting on the season. Quitting on the season. You're not going to find that here from noon to 2. 702-365-9200. Hall of Famer. Tom Flores. On deck. What does coach think? He was there. He was on the sidelines. With Charles Woodson. He watches the game. We'll get his opinion on how to open up the offense again because Tom Flores was able to do that with Raider teams that had a similar record but then exploded and went on to the playoffs and won Super Bowls on the Raider flagship. this point right now with uh, going into last week, Nick Kwiatkowski um, is still going to be day-to-day. He's questionable. Um, Keyshawn Nixon kind of re-injured the ankle a little bit, and we'll see how he goes day-to-day. And then Jalen Richard's day-to-day as well. And then we, we believe we lost Alec Ingold at this particular point for the season with an ACL. Rich Passaccia, yesterday a lot of Raiders are hurt. JT back with you, brought to you by Remy Martin that asks you please drive responsibly all the time not just the holiday season. A real quick Remy Martin story. If you know, if you go to the Raiders Tavern and Grill at M Resort Spawn Casino, the back room is the Remy Martin room. It's a private room back there, but you can walk back in there. So a Friday night, I emceed Charles Woodson's Hall of Fame party at Allegiant Stadium. 
for his friends, his family, and the Raider legends. And at the end, he said, what are we doing, JT? I said, well, you're, stay, you're staying at the M. I said, let's just go back to the Raiders Tavern and Grill. Charles loves it there. His bourbon whiskey is there. You could get it. His wine is there. So we went back into that Remy Martin room with Fred Bolitnikoff, Charles Woodson, their wives, Charles's brother, a whole bunch of family, my wife. And we sat there for a few hours and had some drinks and just listened to Charles tell stories about the night and how much fun he had. So I want to thank Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. That was a great setup. Friday night was unbelievable for Charles Woodson. It was one of the greatest Raider events I've ever been to. As Charles showed up, and he had no idea. He had no idea that all of the GOATs were there. You know, the 10 Hall of Famers, or 9 or 10, and that everybody was there to surprise him, including what we were going to see uh, with his family, his high school football coach, his college football teammates at Michigan, who were invited by the Raiders, uh, Green Bay Packers, James Jones, who also played for the Raiders, and then various Raider teammates. And it was really cool to be there on Friday night and to see Namdi Asamoah walk into the room. That was cool. Haven't seen Namdi in a long time. And he came in to pay respects to Charles Woodson and had a great time at that party, which was at the Winfield Club. And, wow, that was just off the charts. It was a great night. I wanted to share that with everybody because Charles really appreciated the fans, and he appreciated seeing everybody all night and all weekend long, especially as you saw him there on the sideline. He was really cool. He had a great time. We're waiting on Coach Flores. We'll get him up here in a little bit. Uh, Rod in Henderson. You're up next, Rod. Thanks for calling. What do you got? Hey, what's up, JT? It's Raider Ron, by the way. Uh so I was at the game on Sunday, unfortunately, as well. You know, it's, it's, it's such a crappy situation, you know, the CC will get honored. And then for them to play like that, you know, after all of that hype and everything that Charles said, you know, it got me pumped, you know. Sure. If I could strap it up, JT, I would have been down there myself. But I, I don't know what's wrong. I mean, I know they've been through a lot, and I don't know, you know, exactly how the pulse is with everything. And they say they've had great practices but they just got to prove it, you know, at the beginning of the year. I called and I said, you know, they got to show it to me, you know. Until they prove me wrong, I'm not going to believe it. And they haven't done that yet, unfortunately. You know, it's still early. They're, they're trying. I mean, you they're know, trying. I keep oh, telling us. I, I, Ron, I keep telling everybody. They're doing, they're doing everything right. They are yes, trying. Right. They want to win for you. They're prepping all week. They're in film study. They're doing what they're supposed to do to win games. They're not executing on game day. You got to tip your cap to the other team yep. and what they're doing to stop them. But now you got to be a little bit concerned because something's changed. They're not as explosive on offense. I mean, Rugs didn't show up year one because of injuries and COVID. Obviously, we know what happened. You know, he's gone from the organization. But someone's got to step up now and. And Mike Mayock went out and delivered Deshaun Jackson. Mark Davis delivered Deshaun Jackson. He didn't say, hey, no, we're good. We got other younger players. Bring up someone from the practice squad. They got a speed burner on the outside. Now they got to get him into that lineup and hope he's productive. Exactly. That's all I can hope for, you know. I mean, the the offense, it needs, it needs that spark, you know. It's just on Sunday it was not – I mean, you, they had plays, you know, up until that fumble. I thought, you know, that we were going to come back until that fumble and just let all the air out of the stadium after that. But I know yep. they're trying. You know, I want them as much as any diehard Raider fan wants to. But, you know, everybody's got to come back come back next Sunday, show up and show out. 
support your boys, support your team, man. Keep coming because that's all we got. You know, that's all we can do. We're Raiders Nation. You know, as much as it sucks to see us lose, fans got to show up still. Fans got to tailgate, you know. But we got to be there to support our team. That's what we do. You know, JT, yep. appreciate the time, man. Take Thank care. you. Yeah, that's what I hope you do. I mean, you got to support the team at 5-4. and four. You got to support the team no matter what their record is. You got to support them here, a Raider fan. But that doesn't mean you can't be angry. I know there's a lot of people angry. And when I hear your voice and your anger or I meet you in the parking lot or you come to the torch, I get it. You know, the problem is now that we throw in this sewer, which is Twitter and social media, where there are a lot of people who are anonymous and they really trash this team and they claim to be Raider fans. And they're the worst of the worst of the worst because they sit there and they just they cherish bad news. It's a small, small minority of fans, but those are the loud ones on social media. And it's like, get, get out. If you don't want to support this team, there's 31 other teams. Go find a new team. No one's saying that you're not allowed to be pissed off. I would never do that. I wasn't born a Raider fan. You guys are. And gals who have been here your whole life. And now you're at a point, I understand, it's been a long time since this team has been consistent in a consistent playoff team. But we get it. Act like an adult and try to come up with something that can help the team or talk about analysis here instead of just being so pissed off you're about to break your phone. They're 5-4. and four. They can be in first place if they beat the Bengals. It's something to build on here. It might not happen. And if it doesn't happen, I'll be here on Monday and we'll talk about it. But I got a good feeling and a sense that they're going to show up. They can't play any worse than they did against Kansas City. And I think they'll have a great week of preparation. Cincinnati's coming off their bye week which gives them a little bit of health and ability to come back. But I think the Raider roster matches up nicely against them. Robert in Portland, you're up next. Thanks for calling. Yeah, well, it's obvious what's wrong. Um, you knew and I knew the day we heard Rodney wasn't going to be coming back. Um, Rodney, his leadership, they missed it. His command of the offense and the blocking calls that he used mm-hmm. to make were so critical. And I'm not putting yep. James down. He's still, you know, learning. But, you know, uh, Richie, Richie's a violent guard, and that's why mm-hmm. Cable loves him. He, he, he was violent. He didn't just get in the way. He was violent. I don't see yep. that in our young kid, Leatherwood, not because, you know, he's not a good player. It's just that he's not violent. He's, he doesn't take his opponent. When you watch this line right now, I think that's what's hurting Jacobs. Jacobs, once he gets a hole and gets to the second level – that's where you see him uh, perform better. Not that he, and I will admit, when he caught a couple balls uh, Sunday night, he, you know, he, he would fall down the moment anybody got near him and, and, and touched him. He's got to be able to break those, uh, but that's on passes. He, but when he's running, he reaches the second level. That's when he shines. He always did that at Bama, but he's got to have a hole, and he's not getting mm-hmm. those holes. And that's what we miss right now because. John Gruden knew we had to get a running game going, and you knew it. And, mm-hmm. and, and you said it after the, you know, Jackson left. Gabe's not done a, a good job at uh, the Seahawks. He's, he's just been dominated. So we don't miss Gabe. What we miss is Hudson still. And we sure, miss we Richie. do. We miss Richie on the left side next to Colton Miller because Colton Miller really benefited from having Richie next to him. So I, I think this everybody shouldn't get too down on the team. What we need to see – is for Cable to get these kids uh, to be not just there, not in the way, but starting to dominate the guys on the other side of the line. 
They didn't do that at the other night. Not that right. Jones isn't a great player and Reed's not a good player. They just didn't do it the other night. And that puts Carr in a bad way. He's not as mobile as uh, other guys. And when he can't stay in the pocket, he doesn't perform well. So that's the problem. Yep, let me jump in. You're right about that. That is the problem. But, you know, Derek's got to figure it out. That's the point of the show. Uh, the offensive line isn't going to change. We're not going into the hot tub time machine and bringing back Gene Upshaw and Art Shell and Jim Otto. It's not happening. So Derek's got what he has in front of him. Move the pocket. Move the pocket. Do something. But you, you just can't do what hasn't been working. We know that Derek's under duress a lot, and he needs to step up in the pocket. And how many times did he just throw the ball up in the air because he was under pressure and the pocket was collapsing? I understand I'm at the games. We interview the people. We all know what's happening with Derek. But Derek's got to figure it out. Derek is a 35 to $40 million a year quarterback in this league who plays a lot of times like he's a top 10 quarterback. When he doesn't play like a top 10 quarterback and has a bad game like he did against Kansas City or the Giants, the Raiders have no shot. So I have no other way to spin it for you if you think I'm spinning this. I'm just saying this team is going to go as far as Derek Carr takes them. So I'm hoping that Derek has a big game against, against Joe Burrow. We're talking about going up against Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Ben Roethlisberger, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Carson Wentz, Baker Mayfield. And I'm sure I'm forgetting one or two here, but you know what I'm saying. You got to outplay these guys. You got to play outplay the majority of these guys. And I believe Derek can do it. We're going to reschedule Coach Flores, hopefully for the top of the hour. Jeff Sherman from the Westgate on the moving lines and how to bet coming into the weekend. Second down and goal from the Chiefs' six-yard line. Car back into the gun. Edwards reappears. He's off to the left. Jacobs is the running back. Jacobs gets that play fake. Throw back to the end zone. Right side. Jump. Jackpot, baby. Hunter Renfro. We need more Hunter Renfro. JT back with you as we get you ready for what is a big game against Cincinnati. Excuse me, coming up here, Jeff Sherman, kind enough to join us, the VP of Risk Management over at the Westgate. Jeff, let's begin. Talk to me about the Niner game. I had a lot of sharps who were telling me that they were on the Niners. They thought that home losing streak would start, uh, stop. And then on top of that, we know that Kyle Shanahan has had the number of Sean McVay. Tell me about the game and how it unfolded. Yeah, we had some sharp play on the Niners, plus four and a half when we initially hung it, and then even plus four. And then it settled at three and a half. And at that point, a lot of public involvement. And what we saw yesterday was a lot of Rams money line support. So the Niners winning the game ultimately ended up being a, a solid result for the for the book. Uh, let's move on to what you've seen from the Patriots uh, going forward there and how sharps are betting them in the public. When I look at the Patriots here, they've really figured it out. It went from – only Mac Jones could manage the games. Now he could win the games. What they did to Cleveland was incredible, especially with Cleveland scoring on their first drive and then nothing happened again. What's new with the Patriots? Yeah, their power rating keeps increasing, and they're all the way up to a seven-point favorite this Thursday at Atlanta after we opened that game uh, four, and then, it, and then 
That was the early line. And then we adjusted it to minus six after this weekend. And still we've seen some movement to get up to seven. And even if you look ahead to next week, they have a big game at home against Tennessee, who is red hot. And we have New England, a two and a half point favorite. And throughout the Super Bowl futures, New England's down to 16 to one. So they've been one of the larger movers. Jeff Sherman Jones joins us from the Superbook. I'm really fascinated about this Vikings game. They play well, Jeff, when their back is completely up against the wall, when they need to get to 500 or they're a game below 500. The Packers with the shutout win of Seattle. Aaron Rodgers back from COVID here. Where do you have the line on the Packers at the Vikings? What's the total? Yeah, we're at two and a half on Green Bay, road favorite at Minnesota with a total of 49. And uh, so far, the public is starting to support Green Bay, especially coming off that nice win against Seattle. But like you said, Minnesota as a home dog has been proven pretty well this year. So we expect to handle a lot on that game. Uh, you're at seven, if I'm correct, here with Buffalo over Indianapolis. Line opened up at 50 for the total. You're right there at that. This is a big game for Indianapolis as we talk about all these teams outside the playoffs in the AFC. I like the way the Indianapolis Colts have been playing as of late, but Buffalo, the team I predicted to win the Super Bowl, they've been bouncy up and down all year. They either put up a big number or they come up short in a lot of these tight games. What have you seen with the Buffalo Bills? Well, we've seen some sharp play on Buffalo this week. They laid 6.5 and and 7 flat. We're at Buffalo minus 7, minus 120, and you're even seeing some 7.5 show up. So early involvement from the sharps on the Bills' side. Jeff, it almost feels like when the Raiders are a favorite at home, a lot of people fade them. They're just tough in that spot here in Vegas. Line opens up a pick game. Now you have Cincinnati minus one. What have you seen with these two teams? Because the Raiders were really flat on Sunday night football, and Cincinnati's hanging around in the division. Yeah, and that's the adjustment we made after uh, after the loss to the Chiefs. We put Cincinnati up as a one-point favorite, and we expect to see some Cincinnati money in this game. And like you said, this is – you know, it's tough when you put the Raiders as a favorite because you generally get the support against them, and they just take the uh, the underdog team in that role. But here, we might attract some Raider money as a home dog, but mm-hmm. the Bengals have been attracting plenty of support this season. Uh, you're at two and a half as of now with Kansas City at home. You get three for being at home. Dallas comes in. Uh, Dallas is going to run away with their division, and Kansas City – do they look to be back to you, or they just they, they know how to beat the Raiders after what you've seen over the last month? Are the Sharps starting to line up for Kansas City, and where are they with their futures bet on their overall ability to win the Super Bowl or win the AFC? Yeah, I think a lot of that had to do with the Raiders this past week. And, uh, you know, we had this game, Dallas and Kansas City pick them, but we made the adjustment off the Chiefs' win up to the Chiefs' two and a half, just expecting the public thinking that they might be back and, and anticipated Chiefs' support. And we did make a dip on their Super Bowl odds. We were at the Chiefs 12 to one, and we lowered them to seven to one. Wow! We also took took some money on Patrick Mahomes for MVP. He was at 60 to one. We took uh, 2,000 on him at 60 to one. He's down to 40 to one. Any sharp action on Baltimore? I saw you post that 14 to one. We know how hot they can get and start stacking wins. Where's Baltimore? Yeah, Baltimore. We actually uh, raised up to 16 to one and. It's funny because the Super Bowl, we don't have too much involvement with them, but for the AFC Championship, we do. So we keep raising their Super Bowl odds up, trying to attract some from that perspective. Jeff Sherman from the Westgate, VP of Risk Management. I want to get over to the NBA side and your championship update there. It's Brooklyn 5-2. to two. Now, how do you analyze this with no Kyrie Irving? Well, what are your projections about Kyrie Irving either being traded or deciding to get vaccinated and coming back? 
Well, I don't think he's going to get traded because I think he'd be a problem for another team, and he has the option where he could take the stance he has now and say, I'm not going to play for you. So I think the trading option will be tough. Uh, we'll see what happens if he's going to lean to get vaccinated. It doesn't sound like it, uh, and it doesn't sound like the mandate is going to change in New York anytime soon. So the Nets have gone forward with the team that they have, and they're starting to come together, and they understand the players and the roles they have, and you see improvement on that side where – a little bit bumpy in the beginning with who knows what was going to happen with Kyrie, but things are starting to play out uh, and things are taking shape in the Eastern Conference that I lowered him a bit to five to two. Uh, the interesting thing on the other side is I can't write any tickets on the Lakers the way they're playing. Yeah. I'm, I'm all the way up to 12 to one. The most we wrote was $10 at eight to one, and I keep raising them, and the top on the market is six to one, and I'm double that, but we still can't write any money on the Lakers. I'm shocked by that with all the L.A. money, all the rich money, all the, all the big gamblers who love the Lakers, and now they're at 12-1 to 1 as the Warriors are 5-1, to 1, and you're not, you're not booking bets with them, huh? Yeah, it's, uh, well, if you look at the product on the court, I mean, even LeBron yeah. coming back, which is supposed to be this Friday, I don't know how much of a difference he's going to make. They have a lot of issues defensively, uh, the rotations on offense, the spacing. So it's going to take a lot of improvement on their end for people to believe and start backing them. Wrapping up with Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate. Hang out at the sharpest book of town at the Westgate. Jeff, get me up to speed with college football, especially Alabama now where they stand with Georgia. Yeah, we've got uh, Alabama 7-2, and Georgia is a minus 150 favorite for the title. And when they play in the SEC championship game, we're anticipating Georgia being about a three-point favorite. So those are two clear-cut teams at the top, some separation after that. Ohio State is 4-1, to one, and then you have a large increase up to 40-1 to one on teams. But Alabama would still be a decent favorite over Ohio State. Now with Oklahoma probably eliminated, uh, they could have ran the table if they beat Baylor. I think the schedule would have opened up for them. What does this do for Cincinnati and the opportunity for Cincinnati to make the Final Four? Where do you have them? Well, we have them at 40-1 to 1 to win it all, and that's right there with Oregon and, uh, like I said, Ohio State 4-1. to 1. So that fourth spot is a little bit wide open there, but it's, uh, it's still a tough go just because of uh, the confidence that they're in and the way the committee treats that. Jeff, one more right up your alley. How many great golfers are playing golf this time of year? I know you handicap golf as good as anybody. Who's out there on tour? Who has the opportunity to win down the stretch here? I know you put some updates up there the last couple of days. Yeah, the RSM Classic in Sea Island, Georgia, it's not the greatest field. Scotty Shuffler is a 14-to-1 favorite. There's actually a better field over in Dubai for their tour championship with Rory McIlroy, the 6-to-1 favorite. Don't forget next week, uh, next Friday after Thanksgiving, we got the Bryson DeChambeau-Brooks Kepka match out here, and we have Bryson DeChambeau, $1.20 small favorite in that 12-hole match. And then we get to the Hero World Challenge, which is Tigers event. 20 golfers, that'll be the best field until we get to Kapalua in January. Anything unique we should know about 12 holes compared to 18 and how you're handicapping it? Uh, just the price is closer to pick them, and it's hard for me mm -hmm. to make either guy plus money just because of the small sample size. Thank you, Jeff. We'll talk to you in a few weeks. Always appreciate your insight. All right. Thanks, JT. At Golf Odds. Give him a follow. At Golf Odds. Jeff Sherman, we bring up one of the sharpest guys in the gaming industry to talk about the odds and how they're changing. How about that breaking news? He wrote a $10 ticket on the Lakers. Do you believe no one's biting on the Lakers at 12 to 1? The reason why you throw a grand or 500 on the Lakers here is you believe at 12 to 1, LeBron's going to be healthy and come back. 
and all these veterans and Hall of Famers are going to get their act together. Wow. 12-1 to 1 on the Lakers. He's not writing any tickets over at the Westgate. That's fascinating to me. Good cover story on Bryce Harper, the people's MVP. Will he win the MVP? JT, back with you. Tom Flores at the top of the hour. Paul Gutierrez, next hour.